Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. My guest today is Tim Dwyer, CEO of Sherlaws Australia. As we'll hear, one of Tim's many skills is helping service businesses transition into scalable and valuable product businesses. Alongside his role at Sherlaws, Tim is currently taking part in what the Huffington Post recently called the World's Leading Personal Brand Accelerator. That's the one-day event presented by the guys at KPI. Just follow the links on Flying Solo for more info. Okay, hello Tim. Let's let's dive into this topic of how to convert a service business into a scalable product business. Fantastic. Hello Robert, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for giving up your your time to join us. So look, this is quite a big topic, isn't it? And uh, you know, and we know from research we've done at Flying Solo that a large um, percentage of our community are indeed in the service business. And for a number of them, this the notion of of actually having products is is probably not one that they've really considered. So I guess, where do, where do you start? Where does a one person or where does a small service business start in this whole process of transitioning into a product business, something that's scalable? Um, well, the, the place to start is at the very beginning. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, because what, what generally happens is people uh, see a problem in the marketplace uh, and then they see that there's a solution to that problem and then they they get caught up in uh, what I call old business models, mm-hmm. uh, which is a service delivery business model f- to solve the problem, which is transferring time for money. Okay. So the best way around it is to go back to the source problem again and to really articulate the problem in the, in the clearest form that you can, but what the true pain is behind that problem. Uh, and then what you go, well, if you could solve that problem, what would it look like? Hmm. Uh, and what would the ultimate outcome look like for the individual if that problem was solved? And then you build a bridge between the two. Okay, so what you're, that's, um, it sounds delightfully clear. So the first kind of approach we have for anybody wanting to um, enroll our services, what you're saying is we need to just kind of stop and really understand what the problem is they want to have solved and then have a fresh look at how we may um, provide the solution to that. That's what you're saying. That's it. That's hmm. it. And and the solution can come in different forms. I mean, uh, there's there's a whole lot of different products and services and people creating innovative ways of solving problems these days that doesn't take a lot of time to do it. Uh, but what you then need to do is you need to package that up into uh, a process or a method uh, that then delivers the value uh, in the most effective way. Uh, and that's what we call innovative thinking. Mm. And tell me, do you, in your experience, do you, do you believe that most service businesses could um, productize to some extent or indeed could all of them? All of them can. Really? Wow. Yep. Every single one of them. It's, it's, it's shifting a paradigm thinking though. Mm. Uh, a lot of people are locked into to time for money uh, and their business models are wrapped around time for money 
Uh, and as a result of that, they can't see the other methodology and the other pathways. Mm. Um, and, and, and people are also conditioned to that. So the clients are conditioned to it as well. So that's one of the, the paradoxes that actually keeps it um, stuck in there. But if you, if, you, if you shift your mind and explain it better to the client around shifting their mind around it, uh, they'll see that there is a different way of actually achieving their solution quicker and more effectively if you actually remove the time element. Hmm. Look, I, this is, I've got a number of questions sort of penciled out in front of me that I'd like to ask you. I'd like to kind of jump to one that um, I had, a, had planned to ask you a bit later, but I, I feel it's one that I'd like to kind of get out of the road now. Is Do you have just a couple of examples of people that have done that, just to get our listeners thinking, okay, well, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. What are some sort of classics that you've come up against? Oh, it, it's, it's, it's a heap of examples. So... Um, uh, I mean, we can use our business as a, as a starting point. So sure. in our business, in the consulting and coaching world, a lot of people still co uh, charge for time, whereas what we do is we charge for outcome. Uh, as a result of that, we do have a time element in there to deliver what we do, but we we, we bill on a success fee basis. Okay. Uh, so it's a percentage of the uplift. Um, so it's completely attached to outcome and to the, to the client outcome rather than uh, us uh, time in, in their businesses. So that's one. Um, there's other businesses that, that use technology as a platform. Um, so uh, in, in uh, an education space, there's businesses now that use a lot of webinars and a lot of uh, video content. So that's all products that people can buy. Mm. Uh, it's, what the, the, the main thing is to actually uh, have a look at what your business model is first and uh, then see which bits can be used technology, which bits can be delivered by subcontractors or other people delivering on your behalf, which creates leverage points, uh, and which bits you need to deliver yourself and you deliver that, make sure you deliver that at high margin. So if, if, you, if you look at it, if you, if you draw an axis uh, uh, like a, a box um, uh, with a left and right, uh, sorry, a left-hand side axis and a bottom side axis. Yep. I'm going to do this live. Yeah. Yep. So, so do that live. I don't know if you, you, uh, people can see your. If you could probably load this up on your website. Sure. Uh, but on the on the left-hand side, you write um, at the top high volume, and at the bottom you write low volume. Mm -hmm. And on the bottom axis, the horizontal axis, on the right-hand side you write high margin, and on the left-hand side you write low margin. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's looking at your business model and how you're going to deliver it. Now, high volume, low margin, you need to be delivering through technology. Okay. Yep. Or delivering it through product sets. It could be DVDs. It could be an actual product that, uh, that someone uses on a day-to-day -day basis. And you want to get that out to the masses. Gotcha. And, then, and then the stuff that's the real IP and the, the stuff that really makes the shift inside the client or makes the shift inside the value propositions can sit on the right-hand side down the low volume, high margin. Mm, okay. So when you're going back to your example with Sherlaws where you say one of the things you do is you have a conversation that's more about outcomes and you, you um, kind of determine your fees based on what the change you're going to make to your client's business i mean that's that's i mean this is quite possibly the subjects of a whole additional podcast that i might try and get you back for sometime but that's that's quite a tricky conversation or a hard not maybe not tricky maybe it's only hard maybe i'm just talking about my problems you know just having not had those kind of conversations that's not a conversation that typically 
a lot of service people would kind of get themselves into. Where do you start in that kind of conversation? Well, you have to start with, you have to get really to the, to the source of what the client wants. Mm. So, and this is, the, this is what it's all about. So a lot of people, um, they stay on the service. They don't get to why it's so important for the client and what it is they truly desire. So when you actually have a conversation of why, what, you, what you truly desire and why you desire it, then you can actually get to a very specific form. So mm. once you get to a specific form that a client wants to generate a million dollars a year or they want to have a, 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 a multi-million dollar exit, you can go, great, okay, now I know your outcome. Now let's have a look at where you are today and say, well, if I can help you get from A to B, mm. is it okay that if I share in a small percentage of that? Mm. And it's actually a very easy conversation. Mm. I bet it is. Once again, once you've got your client actually articulating that into words, then suddenly the person in front of them becomes believable as being the person or the company that's actually going to create that reality, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, and the most important thing is the bridge, though. So there's one thing, the most important thing is a lot of people that will go out there and sell a concept. You've got, and, and that's the worst thing you can do. You've got to actually sell the reality. So you've got to have a bridge that goes from where their pain point or their problem is through to what the ultimate solution is. Now, the bridge is the pathway to that, and you must be able to articulate that up front. Mm. In if other words, not, you can't be airy-fairy about that. You've got to have very no, clear steps to no, get across that bridge. That's exactly right. And, mm. and, and the, the steps are the proven method for you to go from A to B. And when you have a proven method, then you can actually price it and actually deliver it in different product forms uh, that actually get you to that end state. Mm. Lovely. Look, let, I, I've got so many questions. What to ask you now? Let's just go back. You mentioned webinars before as a great example and something that you know that we use. They use very widely, um, increasingly by a number of people. And um, just if you if you were, would you discuss? Let's let's talk about perhaps some. Um, let me just throw put you on the spot here. Let's imagine we we're talking with a graphic designer who's selling his his hours for money, doing lots of design work, continually get out, getting asked the same sort of questions. How might um, that person use a webinar and how might they turn that webinar into a revenue stream? Well, the, 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 the first thing is uh, there'll be some duplication going on. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the thing that you just said then, they, they have to ask a whole lot of questions to get the client warmed up to uh, the creative space. Yep. So anything that's duplicated and done over and over and over again you can you can automate mm -hmm. uh, and then when you automate that you can then put that online as what we call a, a product for prospects so that people can then come in they can get clear on what they want through the questions or listening to the webinar or uh, a checklist questionnaire whatever it might be yep. and they pay a small fee for that so that's what I call a high volume low margin product offer gotcha Okay, so this might be um, a guide to how to brief a designer or yes. some such thing. Something yes. that somebody fills in, it's actually doing you, the designer, a, a good, a, you know, it's fulfilling something useful for you because it's actually making your clients do a lot of the preparation work. It's also giving something of value or selling something of low, low cost but of value to your potential client where they can basically get their head around how they really need to brief this project in. That's it. That's it. And, and that, it, it can be uh, very simple uh, and it just gets the client really thinking in a different way. So by the time the client comes and engages in your core product, uh, they're now warmed up to your process, they're warmed up to you, uh, and they'll get their outcome quicker. 
And as a result of getting their outcome quicker, it takes less of your time. Uh, and as a result, you can charge a higher margin. Yeah, perfect. Now, look, let's. Um, what, what are some of the challenges? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a number of our, of our community listening to this, um, and I can, you know, we haven't got them all live on this call at the moment, but it would be, I'm sure if we did, there'd be a number of them coming up with yes, but, yes, but, no, but. And so um, what, what are typically some of the challenges that people come up with? What stops them kind of moving forwards in, in this way of thinking? The, the first one is getting uh, to the root cause of the problem uh, and focusing on the problem rather than the solution. So the first one is people will, will find one problem and then create a solution and then go out and try and sell that solution to everyone. Right. So that's the, what you do is you always keep the problem at the heart of all the different product sets that you put out into the marketplace rather than uh, grabbing onto one, one particular form of a solution. So that's, that's issue number one. Okay. Issue number two is what we've mentioned before around is time-based limitations. So when people have time as part of their business model or their makeup, it means innovation is hampered. So you've got to remove the time-based thinking. And I know that's really difficult because we are all so conditioned to it, myself included. Uh, Let me just ask you a bit further. Let me just clarify that. So when you say that kind of time-based thinking hampers innovation, is that because the typical thought is, well, if I spend two hours thinking about innovating or planning innovation, no one's paying me for it. Is that, is that what you mean? Uh, yes and no. So okay. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of products out there in the marketplace that have been sold because they can be sold to take up time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Explain right. more again, sorry. Uh, so, so let me, uh, uh, forgive me if there's any lawyers listening to this, but Don't um, worry. I'm just, I'm, it's any professional services, I'm just going to use it. But I'm, a okay. lawyer, if they're paid on time and someone comes into their office and says, I've got a problem, can you help me solve it? They have to look at it and go, yes, I can. And they're automatically in conflict because the thing is, if they can solve it in five minutes, they they... Uh, potentially lose a lot of fees. Got you. Okay. Yeah, uh, but if they can solve it in five minutes, is that worth more to you? And a lot of us are conditioned to actually think, well, I want to get it done really cheaply and really quickly. Mm. But the thing is the true value. And then so what a lawyer could possibly then do is draw out the process to make sure that the billable hours go up. Right. So they're in conflict. So yeah, okay. when you've got time and service, they're in conflict with one another. Whereas if you go in innovation, non-time-based thinking, what happens is, is you're always looking for how you can innovate, you can do things faster, you can get to the solution quicker, and then you've got to work out a pricing structure for that value proposition. Got you. Okay. Got you. All right. So again, that really goes back to this keeping the problem in mind. You know, if, if, we, if as a, a, a service... Um, businesses or service slash product businesses, if we're always keeping the problem in mind and 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 finding a a satisfactory, valuable solution to that, then the, the aspect of time should just gradually dissipate from our thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then what happens as well is when like I, I I go for a walk in the mornings with my my, my dog and uh, I, I'm always thinking about my clients and I'm going, what else can I do to add more value to my clients? Mm. Uh, how can I do this quicker? How can I get this outcome faster for them? And so because I'm not thinking in a time-based paradigm, I'm thinking in an outcome-based paradigm for them. Got you. And in that, in that scenario, with, with the delightful image of you and your dog, um, <laughs> I guess the thing is what you've set up already with those clients 
is this um, this way of working that, that says, okay, I'm going to help you get to your million dollar turnover, your billion dollar turnover or billion dollar growth or whatever it is, that you, you kind of have permission, as it were, from your client that that's your focus, that's the problem you're resolving. So yes. whether you come up with something that's going to shift that forward rapidly or more slowly is, is, is not the issue. The, no. the goal is, is, is what you're always aiming for. That's it. Hmm. That's it. Okay. So, so any, any more on challenges, particular well, challenges that you witness? Well, yeah. So the, 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 the last one. So the third component to that is the sales skill, hmm. uh, which uh, a lot of people um, are scared of sales. Okay. Um, and a lot of people have done sales training, uh, which has been sales training hampers a lot of sales people. Right. Right. Uh, and the reason why is because it teaches people to go and sell a product or sell a solution rather than actually um, teaches people on how to actually go create relationships to understand the source of what the solution needs to be. Right? So the best people I see in the marketplace, the people that don't sell, but uh, what they do is they go out and create massive relationships and they find out and they really connect into the, per the, the person's problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they connect into that and then they show them the methodology for how they can take their, remove the problem and turn it into what it is that they're looking for to get out of life or whatever it might be. And a salesperson listens and they listen and they listen and they really get to the why. And that's the skill. When you can get to why it's so important for a client, you can then build the bridge and show them the pathway to, to a solution. Okay, so there's so much of what you're saying, Tim, is, is, uh, is, it strikes me, is, is all about our mindset, isn't it? How we approach things, how we think about things. And what you're saying there, again, is don't go out imagining that you've got a pocket full of stuff to flog. You're going out there in a much more inquisitive, relationship-building, uh, research kind of mode. Yes. Very yes. different to selling. Yes. Now, what happens out of that, though, is what you do is you find the macro problem that everyone's got. So when you're in your niche market, you'll find that you've, you'll find the common problem that the whole market has. Mm -hmm. And when you find the whole problem that the whole market has, it means you connect into that with the person by creating the relationship. And then you so show them the solution that you have come up with that solves all the other people's problems as well. And it can also solve yours. Beautiful. And that once you've, once you've got to the bottom of that, the common problem and your solution to it, then presumably that opens the floodgates to any number of products and, and indeed service delivery to, to satisfy that, depending on where people are on the, the problem curve, if there is such a thing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm. Yeah. So what, I mean, again, I know you've had a lot of experience in this. I know with, with say, with the KPI people, you're meeting a lot of uh, particularly service businesses that are, that are starting to kind of get their heads around this. Um, you mentioned webinars at the beginning. I'd, I'd, I'd like to just turn this into some very sort of tangible examples, if we can, of the sort of products that you're noticing that people are starting to use. I mean, I realize that this is, um, to a large extent, is, is you know, kind of foregoing a lot of, of, of the stuff that you've been saying. But I know that um, our audience, people, it's nice if they can actually really visualize some, some kind of uh, products within their business. So what other things do you observe that business is doing? What, what innovative things have you kind of come up against or, or seen? Uh, it's, it's such a big question because, I mean, I see it every single day mm. now. Uh, and it, it all depends whether you come from professional services or whether you're producing products or whether you're a data business or whether you're an app business. 
there's there's so many different solutions coming out there now that technology is enabling. It's 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 unlimited. Uh, there's businesses now that uh, uh, one of our other clients, he Crumo, uh, uh, they um, uh, they do uh, online training in the corporate space, uh, but they just create this most amazing animated training programs out there that can be duplicated in multiple languages, in multiple forms. Uh, they can track how people look at them, they can track how people view them and how, how they interact with them. It's, it's quite incredible what technology is enabling these days. So there's mm -hmm. online training programs like that. I said, as I said before, there's webinars, there's videos, um, there's uh, physical products that actually create anchors, uh, there's experiential coaching products that we're developing now. Uh, there's things called indicators that you can develop so that people can uh, get online and see what their uh, profile is that shifts their communication style. Mm. Um, I mean, I can, I can yeah, list okay. out. There's quite a few. <laughs> I have to ask, what's an experiential coaching product? Oh, I can't tell you that one yet. Oh, sorry. come on. <laughs> no, <laughs> All right, no, so that's in development, is it? It's in, it'll, it'll be launched later this year. Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> All right, well, we'll have, to, we'll have to watch that space. Now, look, um, another from surveys that, um, that, that we do a fair bit, and I know that um, at Sherlaw's you guys do an awful lot as well, um, we both know that an awful lot of small businesses simply don't have an exit strategy. For many, the exit strategy is stop. Um, to, what's your opinion of, of um, not, not necessarily of that, because that's that in itself, again, is another big topic, but presumably what you're talking about here can really assist that. Yeah, yeah. So, so many businesses don't realize that they've got an asset sitting underneath the surface. Mm. It's what we call uh, finding oil on the farm. Right. So a lot of, lot of people look at the surface of their business rather than what's underneath the business. So when we go into a business, we don't we don't look at the P and L in its uh, in its um, in its raw form. Mm -hmm. We don't look at the revenue. We look at what created the revenue, and that's the what we call an asset based strategy rather than an income focused strategy. Okay. Now what happens is is when you when you understand assets, uh, and you can understand how the income was created from that asset. You can then work out how you can put that asset into another person's hands that will make them money. Hmm. So uh, I, sold, I sold a business last year. It was a data business. So here's another product. Uh, so data benchmarking, for instance, this, this, this business was in the, uh, in the mining sector and they had fantastic benchmarking data process. So he could, he could tell the difference between one mine and another mine and how they perform uh, relative against each other. Right. Now, him on his own um, uh, had a nice income that came from that, mm -hmm. but he wanted to work out how he leveraged that asset. So he went and found a, an organization that had global um, reach, and we went and sold his asset into that company for a lot of money. Okay. Right. And those people, the buyers, will, will likely make much, much more money from that business than the individual you're talking about, but what they saw was the potential. Yep, they'll they'll make a hundred thousands times on on their money on their purchase money on his asset, so mm. that they that everyone wins out of this. Now, what happens is all of us individually we have our own intellectual property that sits inside of us. It's our own skill. Yep. Now, the reason why sometimes we don't value it is because we were taught as children that life wasn't meant to be easy. 
when in actual fact, life is meant to be easier than what we created. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's what, also a myth that floats around business a lot, doesn't it? Small yeah. business, you know, if you're not working like a dog, you're not doing it right. Yeah, exactly. In, exactly. When in actual fact, uh, running a business, when you've got the foundations and you've got the asset happening and you've got the asset flowing, business is really easy. Hmm. Uh, it's just that uh, if you if you hang around with a, a whole lot of business, other business people, they're all struggling. Yep. Um, and so they all confirm that belief. When in actual fact, when you look at the asset and you look at what what comes easy to you and look at what problem you want to solve in the world and build a good product architecture around that, uh, then you can open up the flow. Hmm. And uh, look, I love that expression, finding oil on the farm. What's, what's your opinion? Do you think that most farms have got oil, if I can just drag the analogy out? Yes. You do? Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah most of them do. It's just that they don't look under the surface. Hmm. Uh, and they've got, they've got caught up in focusing on, on the outcome being the income that they're generating through a single product or a single time-based solution. Okay, just uh, I'm moving, nudging towards the end here, but I'd, lo- I'd love to ask you another question. I just imagine that um, you, there are two or three solo businesses, people working by themselves in their businesses. And I know I'm not going to take us right back to the beginning of this interview again, but let's imagine we've got two or three of these businesses. They're, t- they're doing okay. They're turning over you know, enough money to keep food on the table and have a fairly nice life. But they're listening to this and thinking, right, well, how do I find oil on the farm? So where, and let's say they're, they're going to give you a ring and you're going to say, well, actually, no, sorry, I'm, I'm a bit too busy working with some slightly larger businesses than your businesses. So where are these guys going to go? What are they going to do to start? Uh, go to KPI. Okay. I mean, <laughs> KPI, that, that, that program, I mean, the reason why we're part of the KPI program mm. is because those guys have nailed it. Yeah, uh, they've got they've got the stake and the sizzle. Mm. There's so many programs out there that have got the sizzle. Yeah. This one's got the stake. It's got the how-to. Uh, we've put our stuff in there uh, to help them actually draw out the asset side of things, um, and we've put a, a lot of our other IP uh, wherever we can. We'll give it to the guys at KPI because they've got the right intention. They've got the right method from getting a business from A to B. Whether you want to be a solo person or whether you want to build team and other other leverage points around you. Um, the, that program is a fantastic foundation mm. starting point. Okay, look, I, I have to say I agree, and, and at the risk of turning this into something that sounds like a full promo, <laughs> um, you know, we've worked closely with those guys now for a couple of years and uh, are very, very impressed with what they do, and happily our members, Flying Sailor members, can enjoy um, access to that for very, very, very little money. Anyway, yeah. look, I'm going to close one final question, Tim, and again, thank you for joining us. Is What I'd like to know from you is who has been the greatest influence on you and what did they teach you? Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Darren Sherlaw. Okay. Uh, Related to Sherlaw's per chance? Yeah, yeah, yeah you might say that. Mm. Um, I was working at Telstra at the time and I was uh, I headed up um, strategy for the small and medium enterprise market there uh, in the sales division. And I was looking for someone that actually understood how small and medium enterprises work. And I ran into Darren at the time, and he was doing some work inside there at the senior level. And he showed me uh, the intellectual property that he had put down on paper. Uh, he showed me the life cycle of business. He showed me the asset side of business. He showed me how to do time easier in business. And he came up with these very simple and elegant frameworks uh, that really make amazing difference. And so. What I did is I then uh, hooked on board with him and learned how to deliver these things. 
And singly, what that has done for me, it's shown me how to grow multiple businesses and shown me how to show other people how to grow businesses, but whilst having a hell of a lot of fun mm. um, and to really turning the passion into what business is all about because it, it really is a creative uh, outlet for so many people and I just love it. And so he, he enabled that and I've got so much gratitude uh, for him sharing uh, his insights with me and so many others. Fantastic. Well, look, that's wonderful. Tim Dwyer, thank you very much for sharing your time with us. It's been great to have you here with the, with the uh, Flying Solo community and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thank you very much. Much appreciated. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.